Hello and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Pekosek. And today we're joined by Jonathan Stark, who's a former software developer and is now on a mission to rid the world of hourly billing. He's the author of Hourly Billing is Nuts, the host of Ditching Hourly, his own podcast, and writes a daily newsletter on pricing for independent professionals. He's here to talk to us today about the mission, vision, objective, strategies, and tactics of your own career. And he joins us today from Providence, Rhode Island, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. Yes. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, you guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. So that's a very uh, trim and proper bio, which is nice to read. Could you tell us a little bit more about you and kind of how you ended up in this position? Sure. Uh, so the backstory is the quick, the quick backstory is that uh, I've been a software developer for years and I found myself in 2003 working at a boutique software development firm in Atlanta. And uh, over the, in, in that firm, we had, you know, a bunch of developers. It wasn't a huge shop, but there were quite a few developers and we, you know, build hourly. So the way that a, a job would come in, we'd get a lead, we'd talk to them, we'd estimate the scope, we'd come up with a number of hours we thought it was going to take, we'd multiply it by our hourly rate, and then we'd give them a proposal that was a complete lie that said, you know, by accident, it would say, oh, it's going to be $50,000, $100,000, $200,000, because that's how many hours we think it's going to take. But we came up with that number with incomplete information and things would change through the course of the projects, especially the bigger projects. And I found that over time, I was not able to um, satisfy the customers because they were feeling uh, misled or just less than satisfied. They were less, let's put it like this, because we had, we had plenty of, of good clients who came back to us over and over again. But I felt like the customer satisfaction could have been better if we were more able to stick to our price and not always be going over the estimates. I was like, how are we going to figure this out? So I went on this mission to come up with better ways to estimate, better ways to ask questions. And then finally, I just couldn't take it anymore and uh, went looking around for a different way to price projects. And I came across something called value-based pricing, which ended up being the solution and uh, it changes everything. And uh, I went solo, started my own business. I started advocating this kind of pricing model. I advocate other ones now, additional ones now, but at the time, that's what I did. And it was an amazing shift. So, you know, I don't know how much that applies to your particular audience because they're thinking more along career lines, but in terms of giving the backstory for my mission, which now you said it already, but you know, I'm, I'm like on a mission to rid the world of hourly billing because I see it as a disease, a cancer on professional services. So if you hire someone by the hour, you are in, probably in trouble. Like if they are, if, if you're hiring them and they're software developer, a copywriter, a photographer, and they're not a professional estimator, mm -hmm. they're wrong their estimates wrong and you have to treat it like a price and then everybody's unhappy because the price that you thought you agreed to ends up not being the actual price. And anybody listening to this can imagine the sensation of saying, Oh yeah, I want to buy this coffee or this car or this house or this suit. And then making a decision. Yep. I'm going to buy it. And then getting nickel and dimed. Oh wait, that's not the actual price. Oh, I have to pay twice as much. Oh, okay. Maybe I would have made a different decision. So, you know, it's not directly re relevant to the listeners probably, but, uh, this sort of situation, it became my, my mission. I was just like, this is awful. It's awful for the practitioners, the people that are, that are billing by the hour, and it's awful for the clients. 
So can't we all come to the table and come up with a different way to do this? And oh, by the way, here's one or two or three different ways you could do things instead of billing by the hour. So I just, uh, one day I couldn't take it anymore. And I was like, this is going to be my thing. You know, I was like, this, this is my angle. I think it is pretty relevant to our listeners as well, just because people are in various jobs that they might be estimating themselves for work that they're doing within an agency, or they might be working with a company who's doing the estimations. And it's a really interesting way of looking at just value in general. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. I, it, it does kind of apply to everything where people who are used to billing by the hour, I can say, well, when have you, have you ever bought anything by the hour? Mm -hmm. And they'll almost always say no, unless they have a house, in which case they probably paid someone to work on their house by the hour, but almost nothing that you pay for is by the hour. Everything has a price and you decide, do I think that coffee's worth five bucks? Yes or no. And then I can make a decision. And so everything's bought based on what you value it as. And everybody knows internally, if subconsciously, that it's a subjective calculation. Uh, somehow when we when I turn around and say, I'm going to sell myself as like a Photoshop jockey or an illustrator or a software developer, I'd think like, well, I put the time in, you owe me. So <laughs> it's a funny switch. Yeah, totally. No, I, I think it's a good way of sort of providing a great example for, yeah, the, sort of the top two elements that we're going to discuss here. So, I mean, this, this episode kind of stems from an email that you wrote and your, your daily emails are amazing. And Thank I you. highly recommend that our listeners check it out. That's your mission and vision. Can you, can you just kind of walk through the whole five as a group and then we can dive into each one? Sure, yeah. The email I sent out was an attempt to not demystify so much as just more clearly define these five words that, I, that you hear thrown around a lot. Yeah. And the mission and vision are are a little bit different. They're two sides of the same coin, but they're not exactly the same thing. And uh, so let's start with those. So, so my mission is to rid the world of hourly billing. Your mission might be whatever to cure cancer, whatever it is. There might be some mission that you, that you are on. Maybe you came up with that mission or maybe, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, something that you read about from someone else, but you are devoting your daily activities to convincing other people to join you on this mission. So you're trying to like, it's almost thought leadery, sort of like mm -hmm. saying, I'm going to be a thought leader around this thing. Maybe you came up with a big idea, maybe you didn't, but you're, that's, that's what you're going to devote your time and energy to. So to me, that's the mission. The vision is the big idea. It's the, the future city on a hill. It's this, it's you, um, if you have a vision, it's, it, it's basically about you having uh, or using creativity and an imagination and perhaps wisdom to picture a future, a better future for a particular tribe or a group or a segment or something like that and saying, you know what, things could be way better. And that's the sort of vision of the future. And a lot of times you'll have a vision of the future and then you want to go on a mission to achieve it. Or you might, you know, sort of recruit uh, missionaries or evangelists to go out and evangelize that mission, the vision for you. And even when I'm talking about it, I'll accidentally flip the word sometimes. So they're mm -hmm. very, very similar. But the vision is the picture of a better future. And the mission is taking steps to get there. You might not know what all the steps are. You might not have a map, but you're committed to getting to the top of that mountain. We don't know how we're going to get there, but we're going to try and get there. So they're very closely related, but not, not exactly the same thing. And then it brings up uh, the, the other three words are also very closely related and frequently confused 
which are uh, objective strategy and tactics. And I can't tell you how many times I'll, someone, someone I'll see on Twitter or someone will email me a question like, can you give me some strategies for email marketing? And strategy is the wrong word. They mean tactics. Mm -hmm. And it's an error of scale. So if you, if you imagine, uh, it's, let's talk about objective strategy and tactics. We'll start with objectives. Objectives is, I think, pretty clear. Like, what's your goal? What are you trying to achieve? What's the objective? And this can be confused with mission. What's your mission? Oh, we're trying to take that Normandy. We're trying to take the beach. But objective is usually, um, usually a shorter term thing. So like mission and vision, those are long-term, like decade-long things that you devote maybe your entire life to or your entire career to. And you want to really decide like, this is the difference I want to make in the universe. They're big. They're long-term. Objectives can be sh much shorter. They could be like a year, two years, three years. They could be business objectives. Uh, you know, they could be career objectives. But they're, they're usually not like on a 10-year. It's not usually a 10-year thing. It's too hard to see that far in the future. Objectives are something that are probably attainable. Uh, you can probably imagine a path to them. And they're usually more on a one to two, three year scale, in my opinion. And an objective would be something really clearly defined. Not like, uh, not like oh, well, I don't know, uh, I'll feel better or I'll have a better job. Mm -hmm. Like what's better mean, right? Like let's get specific here. So the objective would be something really specific and that's your goal. The next thing that people tend to jump to is tactics. They'll skip strategy and they'll go way down to tactics and they'll say, all right, what are some things I can do to achieve this goal? And if it's something like, um, I mean, in my world, I deal with a lot of people who are sort of entrepreneurial or solo consultants and they'll think like, well, one of the a, a classic objectives, I want to grow my mailing list. So what could I do to grow my mailing list? And there's a million things you could do to grow your mailing list. You could be super spammy and sleazy and buy lists and just like spam the universe. Or you could do one-on-one -on -one coaching calls with people and, and just highly qualified people before they go on to us. There's a million things you could do. You could try Facebook opt-ins. There's a, just like no end of things. And people get really overwhelmed when they have a, uh, an objective and then immediately jump to tactics or maybe they don't even have an objective and they're just trying to like randomly do tactics without even deciding what they're trying to achieve. Like, oh, I need a classic one. I need to be an Instagram influencer. Why? What are you trying to achieve? You know? Oh, well, I don't have a goal. It just seems good. Like once I have all these eyeballs, I'll convert it into money. It's like, uh, I don't know. So you've got the objective. It's pretty common that people can give me an objective. I'll say, what's your objective? And they'll say, yeah, within the next couple of years, I'd like to have my career be like this or my business be like this. And they can usually picture that because they've got some pains now and they want the pains gone. So that looks like this in two or three years. All right. So then they're like, and now I've got all these tactics that I've been trying and they're not working or mm. they don't seem like I'm moving forward or it's, it's exhausting or I'm overwhelmed. That's because you don't have a strategy. So a strategy is in the middle of objective and tactics. And a strategy is a general approach to achieving the objective. And what that'll do is it, it acts like a filter. So if your objective is to, oh, what's a good example? Um, well, rid the world of hourly billing. <laughs> I guess that's a, no, that's too big. That's a mission. Um, what's an objective? An objective would be to, uh, for me to like double my, my revenue in 2020, I'm going to double my revenue. So what, okay. So what's my, that's a very clear objective, really easy to measure. I'll know if I did it or I didn't. And there's a jillion tactics that I could do to try and grow my business. Just Google grow my business and you'll get 800 billion results. No exaggeration. And yeah. 
if I don't pick a strategy, all of those are potentially good ideas. But if I do pick a strategy, all of a sudden, 90% of those things become not interesting. Mm -hmm. So my strategy is, in, you know, in my, to use myself as an example, in my particular case, my strategy is to write as much as humanly possible. So my, that's my strategy. I believe, and there's a leap of faith involved, I believe that that will help me reach my objective. But there's a leap of faith. There's always a leap of faith when you pick a strategy. There's no data that will prove that this will work. So you have this you know, goal, 10, 2x my business, 10x my business, whatever it is, or increase my career, work for my dream, get, get a job at my dream. I want to work at Google X or I want to work at, I don't know, what, whatever dream job is. All right, so there's the objective. What's the strategy? In my case, the strategy is write as much as humanly possible. And as soon as that, as soon as you have a strategy like that, now all of a sudden I outsource all my bookkeeping. Now all of a sudden I hire babysitters to watch my kids. Now all of a sudden um, I set up a, you know, a writing community to hold me accountable. I put up a web page. I announce it to my list. So I've got all this like, like uh, uh, peer pressure on me to not let people down. Um, I outsource everything possible that doesn't have to do with writing. I get, uh, I hire, I spend money to hire editors. I spend uh, time to recruit co-authors. I come up with I research tools that allow me to dictate a book or all of a sudden there of the 800 billion things you could do again, no exaggeration, 800 billion things you could do in Google. Then it's like, okay, here are like 25 things that probably makes sense based on my strategy. So once you've got an objective, you probably shouldn't be changing your objective very often, not more than a year or two. It takes time for, to, you know, achieve a career or a business objective. It's got, you got to have time for it to play out. Once you pick a strategy, you're you're, you got to stick to it for a while, unless, unless you're absolutely 100% positive that it's not working, which will probably take, you know, three to six months at least to find out that it's definitely a bad strategy. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't be changing very often, but your tactics underneath the strategy can change like crazy. They can change on a daily basis. So really what we're talking about is, is playing the long game, picking an objective, what, starting with the end in mind. What am I trying to even do here? Where would I like to end up? Which is a fun exercise, mm -hmm. but you should go through it. It's pretty important. Otherwise, you're just like wandering around in circles potentially. Mm -hmm. And then come up with an approach some kind of strategy, some kind of general approach to achieve the objective. And then once you have that, then the tactics become obvious because you can just take the tactic and say, well, does this tactic align with my strategy? Yes or no. And it, it'll be obvious. Be like, oh, that's, that's a waste of my time. That's a distraction. Or there'll be an opportunity to say, oh, this would be great. This totally aligns with my strategy and it'd be perfect. So, you know, the, the analogy I usually give is a Star Wars one. I don't know if that ages well. It's like a movie from the 70s for crying out loud. But <laughs> like the objective, the rebel's objective at the end of the first Star Wars movie is to destroy the Death Star. Destroy the Death Star. Three words. Very clear. Very, you could, easy to measure. Did it work <laughs> or didn't it? Their approach was not full frontal assault, which would have looked very different. The approach was take an absurdly small force to sneak past their defenses and sneak a Hail Mary one in a million shot down the exhaust port. That's a strategy. So then they send up all of these, you know, tiny fighter ships, which is a ridiculous thing to do, but <laughs> under the strategy, it makes sense, right? So everybody agreed to the strategy. So we're going to do things based on the strategy. And then when they get up there, you know, Luke ends up in the trench 
and he turns off his targeting computer. That's a tactical change. He changed a tactic, but he did not change the strategy. The strategy was still Hail Mary shot down the exhaust pipe. The objective didn't change. The strategy didn't change. The tactic changed. So that's a very normal thing. But if you don't have a strategy, you end up thrashing around with all these different tactics and none of them work because you don't stick with them long enough or they're misaligned with your objective. They're just not going to work for you for some reason. So, okay. So I'm rambling, 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 but you guys, is that making, is that any of that making sense? That's huge, honestly. And I know you talk a lot to people who are independent professionals and they're, they're building their own maybe lifestyle business and the person who's sitting at home trying to build their career and sales or accounting or whatever is wondering how, how does this relate to me? But I think it relates perfectly to anybody who can just imagine themselves in the shoes of someone trying to take down the Death Star. I mean, <laughs> the, the idea of like, I think the value in this is people finding the actual purpose of their careers. And mm-hmm. we have legions of people walking the earth who feel completely disconnected from the work that they do. And once they sort of get a bit of a handle on what mission and vision could look like for them Mm -hmm. and find ways of fleshing out the objectives, strategies, and tactics, then all of a sudden you're actually like on a a forward moving treadmill. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I know I've experienced that from the standpoint of trying to build a business without a lot of those things in place until, you know, more recently I've, I figured a lot of these things out and and I am seeing a difference in my own professional life. It's crazy. Oh, look, we're moving forward instead of moving (laughs) in circles. Yeah. I was just going to say in a career, a a career path, Mm -hmm. it, it could be that you find, you know, you see to yourself, what's my vision for the future or like of the world. Yeah. Not me, but them, like everyone, the others, people that you care about. And you could find say a CEO or some company that has a vision that is like an endpoint that you agree with. That would be amazing if, sure. you know, if this company has a vision for the future that you agree to, and then you join them on that mission to achieve that vision. So that's mm-hmm. one way to look at it from a career standpoint is, you know, you're dissatisfied in your job. I've, I had, I've only had one corporate job in my whole life and it was extremely dissatisfying. <laughs> great friends there and all that, but the corporate mission was like not, it was one of those words salad. Like we, find the best in customer service and blah and you know like vision by committee type of thing but there are companies out there that have a real vision like charity water for example or toms or you know they're they're Mm -hmm. out there Mm -hmm. so if you can find a company you know maybe you're a designer you want to be an in-house designer and you want to work your way up the food chain uh, at a company that's doing work that matters look around and see see who has a vision who's projecting a mission who it, who it was it, uh, sorry a vision so I do it I always it's hard the vision they're projecting a vision of the future and you're like wow that's really cool I, I would perhaps uh, be interested in joining that mission by you know getting a job at this company that sees the world the way I see the world or sees the the potential future world the way I wish the future would be. Mm-hmm. And then you, then you come, then now you've got an objective. How do I get a job at that company? Yeah. What's my strategy? Well, I could do all sorts of things. I could, depending on what you do, you could create a portfolio that's going to be attractive to the art director there, or maybe you're a designer, I sorry, a developer, and you create an open source tool that would be perfect for that company because you know, they use WordPress or that, you know, whatever, and they need this sort of donations thing. And you just create it, you send it to the CTO, you say, hey, I made this. 
I think it'd be perfect for you guys. Let's start a conversation. The, the CTO's like, that's amazing. Can we use that? Yeah, that'd be great. By the way, I'm looking for a job. So that if that's the strategy, you know, depending on what your strategy is and your objective is to work at this company that has a vision that you'd like to support, then the objective, I mean, the tactics start to become self-evident yeah. once you pick a strategy. When you're thinking about mission and, and vision too, as you were talking, it made me think a lot about your values and yep. the company's values. And it, that tends to be where it all kind of starts is understanding what's important to you, why is it important to you, and how is this mission going to get you closer to that? Yeah, I almost talked about, I thought about adding values to that email that we that originally kicked off this conversation. But the thing with values is, the reason I decided not to put them in is because they have a tendency to not change. Those are the kind of thing that maybe changes once in your whole life because they're so foundational. Mm -hmm. It's like, I believe that other people's lives have value. I mean, they're really, really foundational core things that you get, I think, as a little kid. I mean, at least the way I determine, uh, define value, like those kinds of values in this context. Yeah. Like if I, you know, I could start 10 businesses over the course of my life, they're all going to have the same foundational values because they come directly from my morals and ethics and, and things that can't really change that, that often. Uh, so I sure. decided to leave it out, but I'm glad you brought it up because yeah. um, it can be helpful to kind of articulate those to yourselves, just write, to yourself, just to write them down and say, well, what values do I have? Like, what do I value? Mm -hmm. And, and that could have, that's an even deeper connection with a potential employer where your values are aligned. Yeah. It's, but it, to me, it's almost like, um, there's almost nothing you can do about it. So I didn't talk about it. That's, you know, that's it's like, yeah, yeah. you're sort of stuck with your values. I don't know how you'd change them very easily. Like maybe, what? you know, they say, they say as you get older, you turn more Republican than Democrat, but other than that, <laughs> you don't seem to change that much. I found that it's more just being aware of them that helps you to, yeah. to, go towards that. People who I've seen in, in clients of my own, as well as in my own background, if you're not really aware of that, you can go and work for, I use this example, but um, you work for a paper company and you really value nature and you're, you're killing yeah. a bunch of trees. I mean, you may not even realize that there's a huge disconnect there, but it really is deep down yep. influencing your mission and your objectives as well. Yeah. So. yeah, absolutely agree. Like if you start looking beyond the paycheck, what do you look at? So if it's just about like, you know, I suppose it's a first world problem to have your choice of like, oh, which company do I want to work for that's going to fulfill me? Um, that's a, you know, vi mission, vision, values. Values is certainly one of the things that you would want to look at. Uh, and hopefully you'd find a company that, that didn't, again, have this sort of committee world word salad mess of like, you know, we value goodness. Like, okay, thanks. You know, but yeah, you're hundred percent right. Like if you can find somebody, a company that aligns with your values and has a vision that you would love to see come to fruition and you want to join them on that mission, then your work day is going to be a lot better. Your work day is going to be a lot better because it feels like what you're doing is potentially going to have a positive effect on the universe and not just a paycheck that, you know, like, oh, I'm doing, you know go home for Christmas and like your parents are like, Oh, you know, can you, did you afford that new apartment? You know, it's like, it, it, it's, it's um, sort of a luxury to be able to think beyond just the making an income. But if you're at that point where you pretty comfortable, you can get a few different jobs. You might as well pick one that's on a career path and not just a job. Definitely. I totally agree with that. Just to kind of jump quickly to you and your, your personal mission and vision, which you've talked about, but at what point did you 
Like how long did it take for you to realize that that was really what you wanted to double down on That's in the world really of hourly question. billing? Right. Um, it's one of those things that took a long time, but it was instant. Yeah. So it was like building up. I wasn't paying attention to it, but it was building up, building up, building up because I was just running a solo dev shop and software consultancy. And then the iPhone came out and I was just like, oh yes, this is what I'm doing from now on. Cause I was mostly a web developer, web consultant. And then I was like, that's going to be the future of computing. It was just, I just like, I could have been wrong. It could have flopped. They had a phone before that, that flopped. Uh, they've had other things. Apple's had other things that flopped, but I was like, that is what I want to work on. And luckily it didn't flop. And I sort of aligned myself with that. Uh, that was like 2007 when they announced it. And I immediately started doing that, wrote a book about it, uh, a couple books about it, speaking at conferences, started, you know, built up the whole consultant, solo consultancy business. Along the way, I had friends and colleagues from the, the hourly billing days at the boutique firm who were like, how's it going? How's it going? How's it going? And I think probably a lot of them were like, oh, he's going to come crawling back to hourly billing. <laughs> and I didn't come crawling back. And so they started to get, so I, it's kind of like a, Side, not a side hustle because I wasn't doing it on purpose, but this side question kept coming up. Like, how's that working? How are you doing that? Like, we don't understand what you're like. How does that even work? How are you not getting put out of business by scope creep and things like that? So I started blogging about it and going to meetups where like friends of mine would just be like, could you just come talk to a group of people and explain how you're doing it? So that was just always percolating and it kept getting bigger and bigger. And I wasn't paying attention to it. I wasn't noticing it. It was just more reactive. People were asking for help and I was giving it. And then at a certain point, it was probably, or maybe it was around 2012 or 13. I was just like, nah, this is serious. Like this is something, it won't go away. This is not going away. And mobile was going away. And I was like, huh, what's my next objective? You know, I felt like a shift happening. I was getting sick of software anyway. I was just like, oh, if I write another login form, I'm gonna, you know, crawl into my desk. So I, I was less interested in that. It started to feel like uh, something people much younger than me could do better. So I was like, why am I going to keep doing this when someone half the price and half my age can do it better? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, what, what do I care about? And then I was like, you know, I would love to, pricing is the most interesting thing I've ever come across. It's like fascinating, the psychology of pricing. And I love solving puzzles. In the past, I'd always solved sort of these puzzles for customers using software, but this is a much bigger puzzle to solve. Like, how do people decide what's worth a certain price? It's like, it's madness. It's totally insane. It's like, it's irrational. So I was like, you know what? That's a really fun problem to figure out. So I just sort of, you know, suddenly sort of like an overnight thing. I was just like, you know what? It'd be really fun to do that. And then uh, I took it a little more seriously blogging, but it was conscious now. And then... And then the big line in the sand was I collected a, a book of essays that, that I've been blogging about and I added a few new ones and I released that as a book called Outwardly Building is Nuts. And that was kind of like the, the line in the sand where I was just like, I'm taking a stance. I'm going to do it publicly. You can, you can fight me on it, but this is, this is how I feel. Mm -hmm. And so that, so 2016 was when I really made a big public, you know, I, I chose that title on purpose. I wanted to pick a title that there's no walking back. Like, like my, I wanted my uh, stance to be thoroughly obvious. And, you know, I knew people were going to like, yeah, you know, fight me on it. Be like, oh, oh yeah, whatever. That's crazy. You're just a troll. 
Um, so I don't know if that probably doesn't answer your question. It's kind of like one of those things that I think it just hits you, but I think it's more likely to hit you if you're looking for something. Okay. I think that's a fair point. I think one of the big insights that I drew out of that is that your vision and mission, they are not directly related to the technical world of being a software developer. You you took a part of your professional life that really interested you that mm-hmm sort of, I don't know, like tickled a funny nerve in a funny way and just ended up being something you grew into. Mm-hmm. But it, for people who are maybe feeling like they're stuck on a path and they're trying to find purpose or passion or whatever, you know, big grandiose word you want to apply to it. it, it right. I like how you talk about looking for something that is really interesting to you, but then also realizing that it doesn't have to be right in line with what you're doing right now. That's a great point because there was, it was a huge pivot for me. It was a yeah. major undertaking from, you know, cause I was doing great as a consultant. Great. Yeah. And this was a huge shift to a completely new kind of client, a completely new kind of business model. It, it took like two, that was 2006. It took me like three years to, to sort of more, what I would say, complete that shift, like to the end of 2019, which just happened to like thoroughly, completely get out of that old world because legacy clients and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a process, but uh, and with, with career, it's the same thing. You kind of you kind of have to do it. Like once you see it, you'd kind of be crazy not to do it because you're going to eventually do it. And if you don't, you're just totally going to regret it. So you're probably going to do it. Like let's be optimistic. You're probably going to do it eventually. But you've got this sunk cost where you've been. You're on a different ladder. You're go, you're climbing up this different ladder, and you're like, oh, I should be on that ladder over there and I'm not. So am I going to throw away this law school degree and go, you know, work at charity water doing, you know, doing marketing or something like, like a major shift. And I think the way that I looked at it, because it was a complete disconnect in one sense uh, from a business sense, because it was just a different kind of audience, a different client. That was very problematic. Uh, it's a different kind of sale. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was doing six-figure consulting engagements with like Fortune 50 companies, and then it's like now I'm selling a $20 book to people is like a massive shift. Yeah. So that's an issue. But there's a there's a through line. There's a like like I just told you the story. Like you now anybody listening to this understands the connection. So the story there's a through line on the story, and if you look at things like values. And, you know, a mission or, uh, you know, the bigger picture stuff, purpose, big idea. Why am I here? Why do I even get out of bed in the morning just Mm -hmm. to make money so I can eat? That's Mm -hmm. no, I don't think so. So there's probably a through line in your story. So it's not like you have to completely jettison all of the, 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 whatever the experience is that you have. There's, there probably, hopefully is a way to either pivot it or make the story make sense so that when you're in that next job interview with Charity Water, instead of, I don't know, whatever, you know, wherever legal firm you work at or whatever it is, you can say like, well, here's what makes me who I am today. And that's why I need to work. I need to work on this vision. I need to be on this mission that you guys are on. And here's why. And the backstory doesn't disappear. I think um, it might not be clean. It might not be as clean as you want, but come on, like, what are you supposed to do when you're like 20 pick the career path that you're going to be on until you're retired. Like, I mean, I don't, I can't, I've I've had this conversation with friends a lot of times, like how many, okay, raise your hand. How many people in this room are working in a career that they went to school for? 
like nobody. It's like yeah. nobody. <laughs> so you're going to have these career changes. I think there's even study, I'm sure there's studies on this that say people basically stay in a, on a career path for like three to five years or something before they switch to something else. And why are they switching so much? Because, you know, they didn't pick the right thing in the first place because they didn't know, they didn't have enough information, they didn't have enough self-awareness. Maybe they would have picked another company if they were more self-aware. Maybe the company didn't exist and they're on a very cutting edge trend, but you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna be making these sort of um, sunk cost types of choices from time to time. You just, you just have to be like, look, that I'm gonna make that make sense in my story. It's part of me, so it does make sense. There's definitely, there's definitely a through line there with the story because it's all from this subjective perspective. So the story is there, but yes, you might have to take one step back to take two steps forward. Maybe, you know, like in my day, just like to date myself, it would have been something like, oh, you know, I'm doing graphic design at like a big company, you know, like a, a big retailer, but I really want to be in the music business. I'm making $50,000 a year as like a Quark Express page layout guy but I'm going to take a huge pay cut to go work in the record business or something. I mean, all of that stuff's gone now, but at the time that would have been a step backwards I could have taken to, to switch over to an industry that I actually cared more about. So not the greatest example because music industry has like changed so much in the past, whatever, 20 years, but, but it could be that you have to take a step back to make a huge leap forward. I think that's a really cool thing too, that we all get the opportunity to have in our lives is every path makes us so unique in the experiences that we had, the mistakes that we made, quote unquote. And so that also will lead you to, to new opportunities and new audiences because of what you've come from. Mm -hmm. And I think the more conscious you get of your values and the vision that you want to support and the mission that you want to be on, the more the the closer to the center of the target you're going to start landing so you're going to be moving in a direction instead of going in circles looking for i mean i've had this conversation before where you know like one of my coaching students he's like uh my girlfriend's getting a new job i wonder if you could talk to her and it's kind of like um there's it's it's hard to give any kind of advice because it's advice is, tends to be on the tactical side because that's the stuff that you do on a daily basis. Those are the activities that you do on a daily It's like, what should I do now? What should I do next? What should I do today? Those are tactics. And if somebody can't give me some kind of an objective, and we, then it's like, any, not, nothing. And don't do anything until you feel like step one, figure out what you're trying to do. So as you get better, it's not like necessarily like it happened with me where one day I was like, oh, this thing that's been happening on the side is the thing that I want to do from now on. It might not be, you know, like, boom, click for you like that, but you can get closer and closer to it by getting clearer on your values, let's say. That should be the easiest thing to get clear on. And then you find a vision that you really would love for it to be the reality. Yeah, I, this thing is, this projection of the future, it's not real right now. I believe it could be, but it's going to take a lot of people to do a lot of work for that to ever happen, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And once you, as you get more and more uh, clear on what those things are, the faster you're going to have forward motion. It'd be like having, like I see the, I sometimes the objective or objective and vision are really similar. There's a different time scale, but once you have one of those, it's like a North star or a compass mm -hmm. where you're like, I don't have a map, but I do have a compass. Mm -hmm. So at least I know I'm going in the right direction. And as your, as your objective gets clearer or your vision gets clearer, your compass gets better. 
So it's like really, really accurate where it's still, it's better to have a kind of not so accurate compass. That's better than no compass. And just like, I don't know who's going to pay me the most. Like if you're just picking who's going to pay you the most, you'd be pretty lucky if you ended up fulfilled, which is mm-hmm. I think what we're talking about here. Like what, what you want to end up with is fulfillment, you know? So it, it, fulfillment in your career where, you know, like Jeff Bezos talks about, he's like, there's three kinds of employment. You've got a job, you've got a career, or you've got a calling. Mm-hmm. And if you, and I completely, that resonates with me a hundred percent where yeah. like he, he says he, you know, whether you like or don't like Jeff Bezos and Amazon, mm-hmm. he feels like he's got a calling. That's how I feel. And I think there's something in that with the vision mission thing. I think there's something there where you've got this 10 year, 20 year, like, look, this is what I'm doing too bad, you know, real confident, clear direction. But you in the career, maybe as the middle level, it's a long-term thing. It's still a long-term thing. Mm-hmm. And you want to be fulfilled as that's happening. So that means finding an employer that's going to align with your values. They're on a mission that you want to support or they have a vision or they're on a mission that you want to support. And then you're achieving these, these career objectives along the way. So that means defining career objectives, coming up with a strategy, whether that's networking with coworkers or taking on an open source project on the side or whatever. There's a million possible tactics, but the strategy is I'm going to do this and that means that these are the tactics I should do and these other tactics I should ignore. And then you sort of measure progress toward the objective and you're like, yeah, the strategy's working. I'm going to keep at it in, in one to three years. Holy mackerel, that went by fast. Mm-hmm. I did get the promotion or I did get hired by this company that's even more tightly aligned with my values. There is massive value just in what you've said there for a lot of people who I know my kind of niche audience is people who are coming right out of university and there's a lot of, a lot of them who are just totally lost. And I think what you've said here is really tremendously applicable to, to their lives. So thank you. Cool. My pleasure. Yeah. We've got some questions that we ask all of our guests who come on our show. Lisa, are you ready to yeah, really sure. interrogate Jonathan? Quiz me. Yeah. And I just, I just have one more thought as we were closing this, because before we started the recording, we were talking a little bit about how this can be applied to so many different areas of life. So it's not just career. It's not just a business. There's so many different things. And as we were talking to, I was thinking about dieting just as one of them, right? If you, you know, pick a diet, you stick with the strategy, but the tactics change, you get a lot further than you would if you were just kind of doing things randomly and, and not following the path. So yeah, that's a great example. I like that. Good add on for sure. All right. So questions. Um, so you know, a lot of people take their careers pretty seriously and, and we like to pride ourselves on not doing that. So what would you say is the most fun that you've had in your career so far? Oh, hands down. Like how, I, like I have a daily mailing list that you mentioned at the top of the show. And that is hands down my favorite thing. Writing every day for that list by far. It, you know, every once in a while you get people that disagree with you or just like, you know, all caps, why are you spamming me? You know, with all these <laughs> emails, but it's pretty few and far between. Most of the time I'll open up my email inbox on a, on a Wednesday and there'll be three, four, five people who are like, I cannot believe how timely this is. This is exactly what I needed to hear now. This is really helpful. And, and really taking that, uh, having a daily reminder like that of a service meant of a service, uh, business or service approach, which in a career, even if you're in a job, you could do the same thing. Like if you're helping people every day and then getting, this is the important part, getting feedback that it's working, 
it's this virtuous cycle where you get addicted to it. That's mm -hmm. by far helping people, finding a way to help people every day at scale so that I get feedback that something's working mm -hmm. that keeps me at it, whether that's in your career or you're an entrepreneur. Awesome. Wicked. All right. The next question is, um, and we've, we've touched on this, I think, but what is the biggest risk that you've taken in your career so far and how did it turn out for you? Yeah, that pivot from from being my what I call my mobile consulting biz over to my business coaching or pricing coaching biz. Uh, that was huge. But you know, it didn't, um, you know, risk, everybody's got a different risk tolerance. And the thing that I would say about that is this is straight rip off of Seth Godin from his mm -hmm. book, Icarus Deception. It's the, the I mean, he's a smart guy. And this is the most brilliant thing he's ever said, as far as I'm concerned, is that your safety zone and your comfort zone are not overlapping in times of change and we're in times of change. So if you're, if you are, if you feel comfortable, you're probably not safe. Didn't used to be like that. It used to be that things didn't change that much. So you'd, you do the safe thing. The safe thing would start to feel comfortable, but when things are changing like crazy, this, the comfortable thing is almost never the safe thing. Mm. So when, it, when, when you say like, what's the biggest risk you take? Yeah, it was definitely that pivot. It was, I'm not gonna say terrifying, but it was pretty nerve wracking. It was like a potential lose the house type of level of risk. But honestly, I wasn't gonna get eaten by a tiger, you know, <laughs> but, but your brain reacts as if you're gonna be eaten by a tiger. Yeah. And it, it does, it throws up all, you know, Stephen Pressfield's resistance. It throws all that stuff up. You're not good enough, imposter syndrome. This isn't gonna work. You're gonna look like an idiot. You're going to have to tell your kids that you have to move into an apartment. All of those things went through my head. None of them happened mm -hmm. and it was fine. They could have happened and I'd still be fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you got to watch out for that, like that, the word risk, like really, you know, I say to people when they're, when they're about to do their first, you know, they're thinking about doing their first uh, live speech, you know, speak at a conference or something. I'm like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to hit by lightning your pants are going to fall down. Like, like, what are you afraid of? This is a huge opportunity. You know, the material, just go out there and just, you're not trying to be smart. You're trying to help the people in the audience. Mm -hmm. So go out and do what you can to help the people in the audience and everything's going to be fine. But it's weird. Your body reacts as if you're being chased by a tiger. It's like you're sweating and all of this stuff. So, so the, the perception of risk is way out of whack for, you know, first world employees, which I think is mm. what we're talking about here. The perception of risk is way out of whack and you should almost across the board, I want to say, just ignore it or just do something to put it in a box and don't worry about it because everything's mm. probably going to be fine. And even if the worst thing happens, it's probably still fine. And you'll probably figure it out. I completely yeah. agree. Awesome. Cool. All right. And then the last question is, what is the best piece of career advice that you have ever received? I got to go to my dad on this one. Do what you love and the money will follow. He said that to me. It's like a total platitude. <laughs> he didn't invent it. I'm positive. But it has, you know, I've had careers in music and arts and software development and like all these different things. And I have a, a music degree for crying out loud. You know, like I've literally never used it. <laughs> so... <laughs> But it's true. Like I've always found it to be true. It's like you, you'll figure it out. You know, it's like decide what you want to do. What's your objective? Go after it. It's going to be rocky. Not going to go the way you expected. You're not going to plan it out exactly. 
But if you know where you're trying to go, you're way more likely to get there than if you're just wandering around. You're not going to get anywhere wandering around. Love it. Here, here. Cool. Where can people find you, Jonathan? Uh, best place to go is, I don't know, this is not, normally I say valuepricingbootcamp.com, but for this audience, I would say just go to uh, my Twitter account. Just go to Jonathan Stark on Twitter. And if you have any questions related to this, then uh, I would be happy to, you know, offer any help that I can. I think you've been super helpful today. Yeah. Thank you for being on this show. Good. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much for joining us this week for the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Kosek. Our guest was Jonathan Stark, and we will be with you again soon. Bye.